This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. It, you know, I'm starting to get excited. It's it's getting it's getting close. I know I'm, I'm sitting here and it's what day is today? Um, I'm losing track of when I'm recording this. Yeah, it's October 28th. I know this is coming at you on October 30th. It, it's still October, right? We're not in November yet. Um, So... You know, yes, still two and a half weeks away from the draft and free agency will start after that. But like it's going to be so much coming so quickly that I'm starting to it's just it's starting to course through my veins. I don't know. I can't. It's it's I'm getting very excited. I think I, I may need to go change Um, on today's episode. The absolute king of all things NBA draft. Um, I I think this is now an annual tradition. I could call it that because I think this is the second year in a row I've had him on. So I'm going to call it an annual tradition. Bleacher Reports, Jonathan Wasserman. Um, this spot is only a half an hour long, but I cannot possibly describe to you how much information and rumors and scuttlebutt drink we packed into this half hour you're gonna get uh, a lot of stuff um about uh some some draft tidbits that uh, i do not think that you will uh, hear anywhere else and um he ends the episode by giving his prediction of who the knicks are going to take if they indeed stay at eight and um i don't know i think it'll surprise some people so Stick around for the interview. It's it's really good. John John's awesome. Um, but before we get to that, a quick word from our friends at my bookie. Um, I talk about my bookie every week because it's a way to just make sports more interesting. Um, there's a ton of stuff to watch right now. There's the NFL. There's college ball. I know the World Series is over, but you still got some stuff. The NBA is going to be around the corner in a moment. Um, parlays make meaningless games more exciting. Or oh, you know what? Make the draft more exciting. So I have in front of me my bookie's odds for the NBA draft. First overall pick, um, Anthony Edwards minus two hundred. So you're betting you're betting two hundred dollars to win a hundred bucks. Based on what John tells me uh, in the interview that you're about to hear, I'm not sure that's the smart money. On the other hand, Lamelo Ball plus one forty, and oh by the way, Mr. James Wiseman. <laughs> Plus 450. I mean, you know, read anything you want on on what's going on at the top of the draft. If you could get 4.5 to 1 odds on James Wiseman going first overall, that's, you know what? That's that's not bad. Um, and, of course, you could place that wager 
at my bookie. Here's the best part. If you sign up at MyBookie and you use the promo code OVERTIME, you claim a deposit match for match, dollar for dollar, um, all the way up to a 1000 bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little help and a head start on your winning season. One more time, that promo code is OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, for you to claim your bonus when you make your deposit. Sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. Without further ado, here is my interview with the master of the NBA draft, Bleacher Reports, Jonathan Wasserman. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast, he is, um, gosh, he's the arbiter of all things NBA draft. He is like, I don't know, you're, you're, you're like Moses coming down from the mountaintop with the, with the commandments of like, this is where, this is where they shall go. That is, I don't know why that's the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, Jonathan Wasserman of Police Report. Um, how did it feel to just be compared to Moses? First of all, that was beyond over the top. I don't I'm know about thinking, it. I think you've earned it. I'm just another draft nerd with a Twitter account and then a platform. Well, you, you get, st- you, I mean, I've been following you now for a while. You tend to get a lot of stuff right. Can we at least admit that? Um, I would hope so. I mean, I, I get plenty wrong, but but hopefully I get enough right to, to keep my credibility. Yeah, it's like uh, around the golf, you know, a couple birdies will, will there keep, you go. keep it coming good, back good from analogy right there. <laughs> um, all right. Like I, we were talking about, this is your, God knows how much you have going on this, this time of year. So I want to get right to it. Um, and I figure we... We start at the top of the draft because, you know, uh, unlike some years where we could just kind of skip over the first X amount of picks because we know what they're going to be. That is not the case this year. Here's my read on the top of the draft. And you tell me if I'm way off or somewhat close or or whatever. Um, Teams at the top are scared of the prospect. I shouldn't even say teams at the top. Teams generally are scared at the prospect of taking Anthony Edwards for whatever reasons you want to say. Teams are maybe not scared of taking LaMelo Ball, but trepidatious is the word I want to use. And then James Wiseman seems to me at this point to be the guy that's being looked at as among those three like this, I don't want to say the safe pick, but kind of the safe pick, but also the guy that maybe has the highest ceiling. Um, at this point, three weeks out, what is your read on on those three guys? Yeah, so I think with Edwards and Ball, there's definitely uh, hesitation about using a top pick on them. On the other hand, there's nobody else that really has a, a better case. So, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there's obviously a lot to worry about with Lamelo's. I mean, if we want to talk basketball, you know, his 37% field goal percentage, his jump shot, but also the maturity questions. And then the, and then the same thing with Edwards. Like Edwards is, despite, you know, he's got the look, he had the production. There are a lot of questions about his particular game and whether it's suited for winning and how well he fits. And also his professionalism is, is coming to question by multiple teams. And yeah, I guess, you know, I think, you know, I'm not so sure about Wiseman's ceiling. I actually think the teams would say LaMelo Ball has the highest ceiling as a six seven athletic point guard. Okay. Best passer in the draft. That's I think, interesting. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Perfect. I think there's a, there's just a comfort level with a guy who's seven one two forty seven six wingspan who plays above the rim. It's like, how can, how can he not be the guy who gives you easy baskets and shot blocking? Um, and then, but on the other hand, you know, it's, he doesn't fit for everybody because he only plays one position. He's obviously not, you know, a modern day center being a guy who's going to spend most of his time around the key and not somebody who switches defensively or stretches the floor or puts it on the floor or even passes. But, 
Yeah, I mean, the, the, the draft order was going to play a big role in who goes where, and the way the order played out with the Wolves and, and the Warriors and, and the Hornets, I mean, it's really just tough to see who's the best player available and who fits where. Do you think all that stuff about Edwards is real? Like, I, I think I mentioned it on my podcast the other day. Like, I, I spoke to a college coach recently who was like, I, I think paraphrasing what, uh, you know, Sam Vecini wrote in his like rundown on the athletic of like a few months ago that like wouldn't touch him with whatever foot pole. It, is that real? Like, is that stuff that we're hearing or is, is this a, a, a tactic teams are using? Like, how do you read into that? I think there's like legitimate people are legitimately scared. I had a, a scout the other day who acknowledged how talented he is, but called him fool's gold. Like he's just we know he's going to be productive. But is that the guy you want to run your offense through for the next couple of years and then have to pay a lot of money to because production usually equals paychecks? And um and yeah, there. I mean, there's obviously other people out there who, who are just, you know, they're not going to nitpick and they're going to be like, okay, he's the most talent. Not only is he the most talented, when I use the word talent, I think like natural talent. He's 6'5", sure. 225, explosive. And then in terms of skill, I think he probably has the best balance of skill and talent out there with his shot creation, his shot making. And, and there's clearly going to be guys who are like, all right, I'm not going to overthink this. He's a good kid. He doesn't really get in trouble off the floor and he's got the best you know, balance of skill and talent. But then there are the, then there are the teams who are going to look deeper into it and look at his character and look at his Instagram account, which clearly shows like a teenager. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, if just, just me going back to, you know, I've been to some of his high school games and he really just, he, he really comes off as a kid and he is a kid. So that's another part of like nitpicking, you know, he's still 19. He just turned 19. But he just there are some guys who have this much mature approach to the game, and there are some kids who just don't have that and, and come out a little bit childish, and, and you have to hope that they kind of grow up a little bit. But uh, that's definitely something that, that teams are a little bit worried about when you're making such a big investment with, with a top pick. Of those three, which one – do you think has the, or maybe you don't think any of them really have a chance to fall, but I was going to say, which one do you think has a chance to actually fall, you know, I get out of the top three and how, how far do you think that would be? If you think there is someone that has a chance to fall, you know what, I guess just based on what I'm hearing, it sounds like there is legitimate interest in Wiseman top three with the Hornets and source close to the Warriors says that they definitely like him over Edwards. Um, and honestly, the funny thing is I have LaMelo Ball number one, and I'd probably use him as the answer of the guy who could fall uh, to number four. And and it really is going to depend on how trades work out. Like I could I could see the the Warriors not having an interest um, in LaMelo Ball. And if if, if um, I could see the, the Hornets liking Wiseman over Ball with Graham and uh, Rozier there. And depending on how trades play out, and I could also see Obi Toppin, you know, a surprise top three pick to one of those teams. And so I think if, if I had to pick, it would be LaMelo ball. However, I think he also has the best shot to go number one. And to me, he's been the, he's been number one on my board since November. He, uh, he's number one on my board too, but I'm doing a, a Knicks specific board, which I think makes it a, a little easier. Um, as we get some breaking news that Steven Silas is going to become the next head coach of the Houston Rockets. Uh, nothing mm. like live podcast. Do you know anything about Steven Silas? I, I can't say I do. Not enough off the top of my head to give, to, to add any value. No, <laughs> you know, as much as I do that. Um, all right. So we'll sit on that one for a bit. Um, so yeah, ball, like I was saying, ball's number one on, on my board for the next two. I, 
it's funny you say that you would still have him as the most likely to go number one because again, maybe I'm, I've been just reading the tea leaves wrong. It, I don't get the sense that there's a lot of buzz of him to, to Minnesota. Is that, is there, is there that buzz out there that that's possible, a strong possibility? I mean, basically what we can go off is kind of what teams around Minnesota are saying. Minnesota obviously isn't going out there and tipping their hand to anybody about who they like most. And most people I talk to think that, LaMelo Ball would be the guy they took, A, because he's just the best player available. That team needs talent. B, he's star power um, for, a, for a Minnesota team that just probably would would value star power. Um, and the fact that they don't really know what they have with Russell and Towns. I think they played like one game together, so it's yeah, unclear. It's literally if, one game. <laughs> if, if they could even – if it's even something that's going to work. Um, and so, um, I don't know, again, best player available to me is always the answer. I know that's a cliche and and easier said than done in terms of identifying the best player, but the most guys I've spoken to have LaMelo ball one. I have LaMelo ball one. The people I've talked to around the NBA, just, just speculate and think that he's the guy that they would take as the best player available. So that's really all I got. There's, there's, there's really not much else to go off right now. And yeah. Um, and like you said, Minnesota has been, um, yeah, they've, they've been interesting what they've been telegraphing uh, publicly. Um, so then, again, kind of my read of things. I, I, I feel like Denny and, and Obi have, I don't want to say separated themselves in kind of like a second grouping, but it, would it be fair to say that if someone crashes the top two or not top two or top three, it would be one of them if you had to guess? Yes. And I think Obi goes higher than Denny if if it's if we're talking top three I, I know Danny worked out for the Warriors and that's uh people are buzzing about that I have a hard time picking thinking the Warriors take him at two I think ideally they'd they'd look to trade down a couple spots um to me Obi and just people like everybody loves Obi and, and I wrote an article about this yeah, and, I read that that was great <laughs> people love him like every I haven't heard you know, everyone you talk to, they'll bring up, okay, like, oh, Lamelo, like, he scares me about this, and and Edwards, he scares me, and Wiseman doesn't fit, and Denny is like a role player, not a star. Every nobody has like a, a big negative about Obi. Of course, they bring up his defense, but nobody really seems nobody seems to to be ready to factor that into the equation, um, because they just kind of expect like a twenty and eight guy on you know sixty percent shooting, and he fits perfectly offensively with his finishing and passing and three point shooting, and so um, it, I, I agree. I think those guys have separated Denny and Obi as kind of the four or five in this draft, and I've had him. I've had my mock draft for the past couple of weeks now. Actually, I think straight from the lottery night. As those guys going four and five, Denny to Chicago and and Obi to Cleveland, but it, it's tough to find another guy that I think is going to leapfrog them at this point. Yeah, and I, I mean, look, you just said it, Obi to Cleveland. You have to wonder, like, you know, I I would think if I was not knowing where the players are going to end up, but if I if I had to put out rookie of the year odds today, I personally would put Obi as as the odds on favorite. And it's like, what GM is going to get fired after they draft, you know, the rookie of the year. But I, I wonder, is that, you know, maybe part of the consideration as well? Yeah. I mean, for Cleveland, like there's, there's gotta be pressure on Kobe Altman to, to, to get some type of results fast um, after the Darius Garland pick. And not to say Garland's a bust or anything, but that team hasn't done anything in a while. And they got to show some type of results or at least at least like prove to fans that they made the right pick. And, and if Obi comes in and wins rookie of the year, that probably helps his case. 
so the next grouping again it's it's so tough to talk about this because i i, I feel like it's all so fluid but i i kind of put okoro halliburton um vassell okongwu and i i'm trepidatious because i've been reading what you've been writing about him in terms of how the league sees him. I'm, I'm hesitant to put Killian Hayes in this group, but I'm going to throw him in there anyway. Of those, do, first of all, do you feel like that's an appropriate kind of next grouping or would you put anyone else in there or take anyone else out? No, you got it. And and um, I mean, I heard today the Pistons are showing interest in Patrick Williams. I heard um, something similar recently as well. That's interesting. Okay. And then, you know, Kyra Lewis, who... Um, I tweeted earlier, had a bunch of workouts, one with Chicago, one with the Knicks, one with Orlando at 15, and and um, the Pistons at 7. I mean, these guys are getting looks. It doesn't mean that they're going to get picked in that range, but I think you nailed the most likely candidates to go in that next range. So kind of, I'll do it as a two-part question. First part is, of those five, um, who would it shock you the least to see them fall to, I, I don't know, 11, 12, 13, or, or do you think, you know, none of those guys fall quite that far? I think Vassell is the guy likely to, I mean, did you mention Vassell in your Yeah, company? yeah, no, he was one of the five, yeah. Yeah, so I think Vassell, um, I think maybe draft Twitter is a little bit higher on Vassell than than real life NBA. Um, you know, he's, he's just not a, offensively, you're really banking on that three ball because he's not much of a creator. And for a wing, you'd like him, to show some type of creativity, particularly for a guy who spent two years in college. And I know he improved his pull-up game, but I mean, I think, and I know he doesn't like the label three and D he thinks there's more to his game than that. Oh really? I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I heard in an interview. He kind of took it as an insult. Oh wow. Okay. I'll, I'll be sure if I ever interview him not to, uh, not to <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's, that's what he is at this point. Like sure. Anything could happen. I think that's part of the, the toughest part about evaluating prospect in the draft is like, who can, who are you going to be able but a guess improves three, four years down the line. And so he could obviously change, but based on what we've seen through two years, he's not a creator. I mean, 12 points a game as a sophomore. I, I think he's the he's the guy of the grouping that you mentioned could maybe fall into the late late portion of the lottery behind uh Maybe by, you know, in that Phoenix range. So the second part, and, and you mentioned two of these names already. I had written down uh, Kira, um, Pat Williams, and Tyrese Maxey as the other guy that, I mean, I think you have him eight on your board, correct? I have Maxey eight. That seems yeah. to be higher than most of the scouts I talk to. So can we just talk about this for a second? Because Kentucky... It feels like, look, of course, the Knicks end up with the guy that doesn't pan out, you know, LOL Knicks. <laughs> of all the Kentucky guys. Right? Of all the, I, literally, of the, he's, the, he's the only one. Um, but it seems like these guys year after year pan out. Are we going to be sitting here and having the same conversation the day after the draft, after Maxi goes, you know, whatever it is, eight, nine, ten? Like, so uh, the, I guess my, the question about him, but just generally, um, of of those three guys, would you bank on one more than any of the other uh, or either of the other two to like sneak into that top 10 or do you kind of have them on equal footing? Like where, where are you at with them? So I don't, I, based on what I'm hearing, Maxi is the guy who is, who, who could slip into the mid first round or so. Um, who else did you mention? Pat Williams and, yeah, and Kira so, and Kira Lewis. So, all right. So Lewis is, Lewis seems to be rising, at least in terms of teams checking in on him. And, um, yeah, I, I made a couple of calls yesterday on, on Lewis and um, they were all positive reviews. Like they just love his ability to create offense. Um, I've also heard some negative reviews. Guys haven't been the, the 
um, the 20 range just oh, based wow. on they don't trust his decision making, whether or not he's going to be able to execute um, at the same level against NBA point guards. You know, sometimes he gets his, his jump shot blocked. He's he makes some nice finishes, but he kind of struggles in traffic, high turnover rate. Um, but I think at the end of the day, teams feel like he's an NBA point guard. And then there's and then there's the other vision of him being like, you know, a, a big time starting point guard with his blow by speed. Um, I kind of picture him as Dennis Schroeder is kind of trying to be real, okay. realistic in terms of how he projects to the NBA. But um, I think I think 15 right now is seems like his floor with Orlando, particularly after hearing he worked out with the Magic and, and the Magic obviously needed another ball handler there. Um, who else are we talking about? And uh, Pat Williams, who Pat you, you Williams, mentioned, so Pat, yeah, possibly. So with Williams Detroit. is kind of like a wild card. Like if you're, I have Pat Williams top ten only because I think it's just he's a bet worth taking. He's the youngest NCAA prospect in the draft. He's six eight two twenty five, and the particular skill set he he's flashed though it's not particularly polished right now. But for a six eight two twenty five guy to be able to handle and pick and roll, hit pull ups, shoot from three, and be a defensive playmaker and, and physical finisher like. If he's able to sharpen each of those skills over the next couple of years, I mean, I, to me, he reminds me of like a, a forward version of Bam Adebayo. But it won't happen right away. And I don't know if he's going to go top 10 or not, but I think the level of interest in his potential trajectory has uh, is starting to peak. And I think at this point, I don't see him slipping out of the late lottery. Yeah, I mean, is it unfair to say he has the highest ceiling outside of the top three guys? Or am I, maybe, I'm, I guess, Kelly and you probably want to... And, and uh, well, the guy I want to ask about you uh, next is Okongwu. But the, the ceiling is definitely there with Pat Williams. I, I had one scout tell me, like, I think if we, if I were to pick one guy who could be the who we look back in a couple of years and ends up being the best player in the draft that wasn't obvious, it, it would be Patrick Williams. Huh, okay, um, leads me to Okongu, a guy that you're high on. I think he's number three on your board. Um, I. I love him, and um, unfortunately, I also I, I shouldn't say unfortunately. I was gonna say I also love Mitchell Robinson, and I, I just I'm not I'm not sure I see that fit, which is why. And you know, we've heard names associated with the Knicks left and right. I think other than maybe Denny um, Okongwu is the one name that hasn't I haven't heard at least come up in, in connection with someone that they're interested in or they're curious about. Um, if he's there. Do you think one of the like I, Washington picks right after them? You've written about them, you know, the fit there. You know, Boston's at, at fourteen. Do you do you think there's a team that makes a serious play to jump up for him, or am I over overestimating what what he could get? I mean, Boston is the team. Just just pure speculation is the team you'd think would make the jump into the top ten to try and get him. I know I've, I've heard from from a couple guys that Washington likes him, and if they can't get him, they would trade out or back. Um, if I'm the, I would take him if I'm the Knicks. I totally see why they wouldn't take him, and why team fans would be disappointed <sighs> that they took a player. He's so good, though. He's too good. He's I mean, so I, good. I, I mean, I think he's a better prospect than Mitchell Robinson. I like Mitchell Robinson. I just think that Oklahoma that's was, not unfair at all. I, I just want to say that, but I, it, it, it's yeah. So I mean, the there are people who are hesitant on on Okongu and they see more of um, they see more of. Uh, a dunker and, and a finisher and they don't see what I see in terms of a guy. I think you could actually feed the ball in the half court and say, go create a high percentage shot for me because I think that's what surprised me most from him this season. And I had seen him live in high school and I thought he was more of just an athlete, a high motor guy, but he is more skilled to me than Wiseman in terms of footwork, in terms of touch with his offhand. Um, he shot 72% from the free throw line, 15 to 35 on 
uh, half-court jump shots, and obviously the defense is a big selling point with his rim protection and switchability. But again, I think he's one of the few players in this draft that can actually add big-time value at both ends of the floor. And to me, if he's at eight, the Knicks just have to take him as the best player available. But I haven't heard any links to the Knicks and Okongwu. Yeah, which wouldn't it be funny if we're sitting here on November 19th and Okongwu is in New York. Um, (laughs) Although, yeah, not a rabbit hole we need to get down, but wouldn't that open also the door to uh, putting Mitchell Robinson on the trade block, which, you know, again, I haven't heard anything that the Warriors would actually be interested in him. Um, But we'll, I guess we'll, we'll see how that, that all, I tell you, if the Knicks came out of this draft somehow with LaMelo Ball and and Yako Okongwu, I I would, I don't think I would be able to be upset. A guy who coached him in in the G League and the, uh, the Drew League, because they were, they played high school together, Okongwu, LaMelo Ball, they're good friends. Oh, I did not know that either. Oh yeah. There's a big connection between LaMelo and Okongwu. Okay. Interesting. And they played together in the, the, the Drew League and their coach messaged me recently and said, why don't the Knicks trade Mitchell Robinson, get up, get LaMelo Ball and, you know, try and keep their pick and get Okongu and leave the draft with Okongu and LaMelo Ball. I mean, wishful thinking, but um, it's an interesting idea. I, I'm going off call just for half a second because it just popped in my head. Do you think the Warriors would entertain, like, I'm trying to think of what the deal would even be, like Mitch and like 27 and like next year's Dallas pick? That wouldn't be enough to get to two, I, I have to imagine, right? Yeah, I mean, I'd imagine that they'd want that. That eighth pick. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, uh, it's probably best that we don't go down this road any further. (laughs) Okay. So we've heard the Knicks may be looking to, to trade down. I, I keep looking at this and I, I'm not sure because it's the feeling I get is that the Knicks are just looking to uh, increase their asset base and specifically their, their future asset base, the ability to maybe do something in next year's draft or get a young player that becomes an asset or whatever. Um, I, I don't see the team that's going to give up like the real, like the real juicy thing to move up. So is, do you think there will be an opportunity for them to trade down where it would, re, where it would be like a, you can't pass this up type of deal? Or do you think they wind up staying at eight and picking there? Um, I mean, I think there are going to be teams looking to move up a little bit. Like I heard today, the Sacramento Kings really like Killian Hayes, which is an interesting fit, honestly, with Aaron Fox. That is interesting. But if, but if Hayes was on the board at eight, I mean, I don't know what else they'd throw in there. But for the Knicks to move from eight to 12, um, I, I wouldn't think that they'd need a monster second asset, uh, depending on who they were targeting at 12. Um, and then, of course, we keep bringing up Austin because they have three picks. Um, and then Orlando, you know, they have Mo Bamba, which I'm sure they'd be happy to move um, as a second asset if they were trying to move up in the draft. Um, I'm, you know, I... It's tough to say anybody else. Those teams kind of jump out at me as in a realistic range what the Knicks would accept, you know, moving down. I'm sure the Knicks wouldn't want to move down further than 15. Um, but I'm sure there's I'm sure there's going to be a lot of conversations. And for the Knicks, I think, you know, it really depends. The idea of moving down is intriguing to me, but you don't do that until you're on the clock and you find out who's available to you at eight. Like if the guy that they like, if none of the guys they like at eight are gone, if those guys are gone, then you move down. You know, you have to have these plans set in place before the draft. I, I will say that it's interesting to me that um, a guy who just watched uh, James Harden play up close for, how, I forget how many years that uh, the guys running the Kings was, was there, um, is then they are potentially interested in Killian Hayes. That's, um, mm-hmm. 
That's interesting. Okay. I'm just going to store that away. Um, okay. A, a couple more and then I'll, I'll get you out of here. Um, I feel like there's a, a, a never ending juicy middle to this draft where, you know, you have guys like, you know, Precious and, and Nesmith and, and Jalen Smith kind of mocked mm-hmm. in like the early teens, but then, you know, you got your Malachi Flynn's and your, your Desmond Baines who were kind of sneaking up there like around 20. Do you, do you get the sense that there is an, like a, I don't even want to call it a tier, but like a place where there is, yeah, I guess I will call it a tier, a place where there's a drop off somewhere later in that first round where teams will be like wanting to sneak in to get to like something, you know, before, I don't know, 20, 21, 22, or do you feel like it's, this is just going to be fluid after you get past that first, you know, whatever, 12, 13 picks. I mean, I think like the, the late lottery, once once the flashy lottery names who we've already discussed are off the board, I think, you know, from 15 to 40, they could all be interchangeable. Well, that's I mean, a range. I really, <laughs> I really, I know, I'm not even kidding. Like, I'm looking at some boards now where, like, Jemias Ramsey's 35 and he could be 15 on someone else's board. And, you know, Malachi Flynn, I have Malachi Flynn top 20. Some of people have him as, like, a middle second rounder. And Josh Green I have as a late lottery guy. I've heard – I've talked to two scouts today who had him as a fringe first rounder. I mean, you could do this with a bunch of different prospects. So um, I, I think that's why it's going to be so imp- unpredictable this year. A lot – I mean, there's a lot of good value out there, I actually think. I know this draft doesn't have a great name for itself in terms of star power, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if a couple years down the line – the stars in this draft or the better players in this draft will pick later. It's funny you mentioned 15 to 40 because I'm thinking back to an interview Walt Perrin, who's now obviously running the draft room for the Knicks. Well, I actually shouldn't say that. Scott Perry is still there. Whatever. He has influence on in what the Knicks are going to do on draft night, one would hope. Um, he said back in April when he was still with the Jazz that that was the range he gave, 15 to 40. was like, it's it's fluid. So um, clearly great minds think alike. Um, give me one guy that you would not be shocked to see fall uh, further than I would say most everybody has him going right now. Um, I mean, I think Cole Anthony is going to drop. Um, you know, only, it only takes one team of course to, to buy in and, and say, okay, we're getting good value. But from what I talked to you, like people are just really soured on Cole Anthony um, going down the board. I mean, I think, I think Maxie could drop. It's so interesting to me. Okay. No, I, yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you know, like Trey Jones. Man, I wanted uh, one. You're giving me a bunch. This is interesting. Yeah, Manning, Jones, I saw you had kind of low. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, those guys, those guys stand out to me as, as possible fallers. And then um, inverse question, who's a guy that, you know, whatever, it's pick 17 or 19 or 22 or something. And, and you know, it, it takes takes everybody by surprise because he's, he goes higher. Um, I mean, I think Sadiq Bey is going to go high. Okay. I think I think everybody likes Bay. I'm not as high as him on high on him as as some of the scouts I talked to. But Bay, I would be shocked if he goes lottery. I heard today somebody told text me today that the Suns like Aaron Naismith. I mean, I'm not super high on Naismith, but he could go top ten maybe. Is is arguably the best shooter in the draft. Uh, I think Jalen Smith could go late lottery. Okay. And I'm hearing you know Pokushevsky, who is like a I guess has a lot of fans on draft Twitter. How have we gone 27 minutes and 30 seconds? And this is the first time we've mentioned Pokus. But <laughs> people are going to be very mad at me. So I apologize, you know, for that in advance. Yeah. Yeah. No, people, um, I mean, there's, he's not a sleeper anymore. Like teams know about <laughs> no. him. And uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes to either Portland 
uh, Minnesota or Dallas, 16 to 18. Interesting. Okay. Um, last but not least, this is a Knicks podcast. Do you, you want to care to make, you know, we got eight, 27 and 38. Give me, give me three. You know, you have a hundred dollar wager to, to make you, <laughs> you, you know, you, you could win thousands of dollars if you get this right of in imaginary money. I think the Knicks would take Okoro at eight. If okay. I had to guess right now, I'm, that's the sense I would get. They take Okoro at eight. I, I'd imagine they'd try and do something with 27 and 38 and try and move up. Um, I do you really think don't. that deal might be there? I didn't even ask you that because I was like, nah, that's a stupid question. They're not going to be able to do that. You think they might be able to move up? I mean, sure. I think they could do it, whether it's worth it. I mean, it's, it's it would be a middle of the draft type of move to see, like, you know, if Cole Anthony is suddenly there at like 22 and they wanted to trade 27 and 38 to move up five spots for Cole because they thought Cole was potential lottery caliber point guard. I mean, I think that that's a move that seems possible. Um, but I really, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, when we're talking about 28 and 38, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, and, and um, I mean, I would love for them to get Malachi Flynn at 27. Ugh. I wouldn't be surprised if they like Trey Jones. Why you got to break my heart? I So Malachi, I've, I've already admitted that Desmond Bain is probably not going to be there at 27. Malachi Flynn's the next guy who I'm like, can we please, can we just, can we make this happen? And it's. It, 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 I don't feel like he's going to be there. And Tyrell Terry, Tyrell, we haven't brought up Tyrell Terry. We haven't even I, talked about Terry. That's oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, th- I mean, I heard today, um, the Bucks, the Lakers, and um, and the Sixers were interested in him in the late first round. Okay. Um, another guy who like the interest with him is contagious. Like, it wouldn't be shocking to me if he went in the lottery. But there's still people who are like, you know, push the brakes. It's not strong enough. He's not a playmaker. And so it's tough to, his range is pretty wide, but I'm a, I'm a believer in Terry and I could see the Knicks thinking of him as like a really good value pick if they can move up a couple spots and get him in the early twenties. Okay. Is Do you think if you do this for another 50 years, will you ever have a draft experience like the last eight months have been? I hope not. I'm sick of talking <laughs> about these guys. <laughs> I'm like, you know, the coolest thing is that like the 2021 draft prep starts one week after because college basketball is starting late November. But yeah, I hope we don't have any more repeats of this draft. I'm ready to move on. For your sake, uh, I hope so. I, for both of our sakes, I, I feel like I've been talking about these guys for God knows how long. Um, Jonathan Wasserman, can you, for the two people listening to this who doesn't don't know where they <laughs> could find you, can you tell folks at home where to get your stuff? Yeah, just, uh, you know, Bleacher Report, NBA Draft Wass on Twitter and and uh, I'm sure if you just Google NBA draft, something I wrote will come up. I am. I can't wait for them to pick Okongo on draft night. I'm going <laughs> to have a little twinkle in my eye. Hey, listen, I wouldn't be upset. Um, you're the best. Thank you so much for doing this. Really uh, appreciate it very much. Everybody out there, you should be checking John's Twitter literally daily from here until the draft because he has something great coming out every day. Um, you are the man. Thanks again for coming on. Man. All right, J-Mac. I appreciate it. Okay, that's it from John and the Wasserman. Great spot. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, reminder, go go follow Was. Go read his stuff on Bleacher Report. He's he's really good. Um, Onyeku Okongwu. How about them apples? I uh, That would be interesting. That would be very interesting indeed. Uh, reminder, as always, um, if you can rate the podcast, you know, review the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. If you're not subscribed, uh, that stuff, uh, certainly matters, helps me continue to, uh, to do this. And, uh, yeah, if you're not reading the Knicks film school newsletter, uh, I am going to have every draft rumor, uh, 
um, piece of news, um, all the stuff on the impending NBA restart, free agency, you name it, I will have it um, in the Knicks Film School newsletter, which comes to your inbox every weekday. You can subscribe to that by going on my Twitter, uh, at JCMacryNBA. So yeah, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. It is a pleasure as always, and I will talk to you very soon. Giddy up. Giddy up.